Yes, you're wrong. The podcast where you talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love. And we're your host, Shelby and Matt. Happy Labor Day weekend, Shelby. Yes. Honestly, I've been waiting for this chance to sit down with you and dissect the important stuff that you've just not paid any attention to because you decided to have like a real life. I know. this. I feel like this is a bad time for me to be very busy with <laughs> a variety of things because like I was at one wedding then I was in Fire Island for a week then Sierra's wedding was just yesterday so I got back from that today I'm still like sort of hoarse and hungover but I'm ready to record the podcast but I truly uh, uh I'm unaware of most things that have happened <laughs> or I'm only tangentially aware so I'm gonna let you take the lead on this and yeah and, no and I'll just it's pop really in for just... some color commentary <laughs> It's really, uh, it's been a wild couple of weeks and, and I don't even know where to begin. I mean, I guess, uh, you know, uh, getting it out of the way, um, Taylor Swift announced a new album featuring new music, her 10th studio album, Midnights. Did you see any of this news I, or is this breaking No, news I saw that she is releasing <laughs> a new album because she was at the VMAs in that like chandelier dress thing. Yes. And also this was like a week ago that this happened, right? So this this has had a little time to, I mean, to break I guess through. Like, it's not like, it wasn't in the last couple of days. I feel like it was a days. Tuesday. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's percolated into, yes. your, into your understanding. Yeah. So uh, she announced it at the VMAs after winning a few awards for the All Too Well 10-minute version, Taylor's version from the vault music video. Um, Which actually, can we stop down on that her. really quickly? Okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> the... I did see you made time to tweet about this, actually, now that I remember. the Well, the interesting thing is that, so she was at the Tribeca Film Festival with this yes. movie. This movie is also going to be playing the Toronto International Film Festival. There's some kind of talk back or something. And, and I've heard news, rumblings, that they're trying to run this for an Oscar, technically it qualified. <laughs> and so they're like, they have hired campaign people and they're trying to get this nominated for the um, best live action short film Oscar. Yeah. Not, yeah. not like a song, but an actual like producing uh, like directing yeah. credit, which yeah. I don't know how that'll go. Cause having watched a bunch of those in past years, they're not usually music videos, even though this does have yeah. like some talking scenes and stuff in it. I'm This skeptical. seems like it's going for the Oscar nominated more than the Oscar win. You know, it's like, yes, it's like they know it's a long shot, but might as well get on the ballot just so that, you know, she can add that to her list of, um, yeah, Oscar titles, nominee, cause, so to speak. Cause yeah. I also wonder if part of the reason why they're going with this or this has been announced as of late is because the Crawdads song and movie did so poorly. <laughs> like that theoretically would also have been an Oscar play for this year. You can tell she wants it. Taylor wants the yeah. Oscar. Yeah, she's getting for it. I mean, and that's what's interesting too, like looking at how quiet she's been the last, you know, 
eight months since, I guess 10 months since um, the Red Taylor's version came out. She hasn't released anything except the Carolina song. And there's all these rumors going on about whether or not she's like bought her masters back. And that's why she's not releasing any new Taylor's version albums or like it's all wrapped up in the lawsuit with the 1989 shake it off stuff or blah, blah, blah. Like what's going on there. So it was kind of like, what's going on here. She showed up to the VMAs. Everyone was stoked that she won. Like it was a, you know, it was the 13 year anniversary of her Kanye incident. She was, everyone was like rumors around her dress, how it looked like the look what you made me do music video, how it looked like her dress from 13 years ago when she won the VMA. And everyone's like, oh, this means this, this means that. But she kind of took the wind out of the rumors when on the final award she's like actually i want to tell you guys i have a new album coming out you'll hear more about it at midnight like blah 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 and then it turns out at midnight that same night she announces her album midnights will be coming out october 21st it has 13 tracks separated as a side a and side b and she explains it as sort of in a flowery way as sort of like a a exploration of the nights that have kept her up over the course of her life, like 13 nights for better or worse that she's paced the floor and wondered if she made a mistake and all this, you know, deep feeling stuff. And I'm interested about it because at first everyone was like, oh, is this going to be related to the folklore evermore sound? Like, is it going to be another sort of indie singer songwriter style, uh, because supposedly there's Vibe. a third album in that trilogy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But this doesn't appear to be and that. Then, yeah. But then it seems like as she's released a couple more snippets of like behind the scenes, like um, she has a few different album covers that you can buy, like, you know, special edition stuff. And so the vibe feels very like 70s retro, like punk rock. And on Apple, it is labeled as pop rock, which that – isn't always like trustworthy because it changes and like who knows who picks that. Um, But so people are curious about what the vibe will be, if it'll be more like Carolina and these like soft-spoken songs she's been churning out or if it's going to be a new genre because it clearly is like a new era like it's a new album. It's not a re-recording or anything and it's not as you know cottage core as the folklore evermore looks. So I'm curious to see what it is. It's a short promo period for her. You know, she announced it this week and it's coming out October 21st. So just like a month away. Um, Do we know if a single is coming? She hasn't announced any singles. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> some Swifties were doing like math equations and oh, I'm sure. analyzing likes and comments and being like, oh, it's coming Friday and nothing happened, obviously. So I feel like... <clears throat> I feel like she's realized, like, why put in all this work? She doesn't need to anymore, right? Like, her early in her career, the Easter eggs, the hunt, the promo cycle was all a part of it. And she's always broken, like, sell records and whatever, and it's worked for her. But after Folklore and then Evermore and then her two Taylor's versions she's done, she's proven that the cycle doesn't need as much tender loving care as she's given it in the past. So I feel like why would any artist ever go through all that nonsense of counting stars and painting nails and leaving little breadcrumbs for the obsessive to find if she doesn't need to. So, I mean, except for Taylor loves to do that and her fans like it. So yeah, but yeah. So I feel like there will be little things, but I don't think it says 
I don't think it like someone was like, oh, she liked nine TikToks, but only commented on two, nine, no, two, September no. 2nd. It's happening, folks. <laughs> like, no, that's too, that's too ludicrous, even for Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like it's, so it's been what, like a year and a half since her last real album or two years? Uh, when did? Yeah, a year and a half. It was like December 2020. Okay. Um, yeah. So, yeah, in, like, I guess it seems like she's been doing a lot, but I, it has been a little while, like an appropriate amount of time since her last album album came out. She just yeah. had the re-releases. Interesting, though, that we're not getting another one of those at the imminent future, yeah. it would appear, because presumably this will come out and then she'll, you know, have singles and things off of this album, so she wouldn't want to muck that up with a new re-release um yeah but i also the thing that i feel like is interesting to me is that in the folklore evermore period she was sort of making a little bit of a push to be like i'm not necessarily like singing about drama like these are things are the album not to say the album's less like personal. it's not true life yes it's, but yeah, it's like it's, it's more fictionalized it's less stories, like yeah. easter egg hunts of her life but presumably if this is related to different nights that she's been awake since midnight that yeah. this would be more autobiographical and you just know that the swifties are going to be trying to figure out which <laughs> midnights those are like is it yeah but Hello. when she won you know <laughs> this award is it when this person broke up with her and also like if she's going back and writing about 13 different periods like that's a lot of diff yeah. that's a lot of time that she could be uh sort of sifting through yeah so i think that'll be interesting to see how all of that plays and what you know storylines inevitably get um you know, yeah. sucked up from that. Something that I also heard on TikTok, I don't know if this is true or not, maybe you know more information, is that there was supposedly an album, I think that... Yeah, between Reputation, before Reputation. Yes, before Reputation, that yeah. was supposed to be a rock album Karma. that then got yeah. scrapped because of the Taylor is over party. Yes. And then they had Reputation. And so some people think that this is either like remnants of that or pieces of that or or she just wanted to go back yeah. to that sound that she had but then never released. Do you know anything about this? Well, yeah, that's basically it. It was because Taylor has made it, uh, especially through her first five albums, she was constantly doing these eras. So every new era was marked with basically a haircut, a style change and a vibe shift. And so in the midst of the 1989 like hubbub, she suddenly went bleach blonde. She did the, this is what you came for. Like, obviously that wasn't known at the time, but she was experimenting with that sort of sound. And she mentioned like, oh, it's, it's bleachella era. So people expected like, oh, this is the new era. This is going to be pop. This is going to be punk rock. I mean, and, and she'd been experimenting with some of that sound on her 1989 tour, like vibing up her songs to be more angsty rock. And then when it all fell apart, you know, she <laughs> disappeared. So, and then the reason people thought this up is sort of with the look what you made me do music video. Um, there's that, there's a lot of theories around that, but there's like a clip of her cutting off the wing and people think that was symbolic of her letting go of this, this 
this chapter that was supposed to be a part of her story, but she just like had to free herself. Well, now we're hoping so, she cuts yeah. off that wing for a different reason. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I think it'll be interesting. I feel like the music will be very much generalized um, in the way that matches her folklore evermore stuff where there are some hints of what this is about, but it's more like metaphorical and kind of uh, the language is more flowery than literal as her other earlier hits. So I don't think it'll be like all too well where it's like, this song is about you, you bastard. (laughs) But I think she'll try to write it in a way that's more relatable, just the way she pitches it in her in her album note where she's like, we all do this. I think she's going to aim for something that's more about the feeling rather than the literal events that inspired that feeling. That's my It's theory. always interesting with her because I feel like she, she has that side of her that like can't quite let anybody Ew, else get it. the last <laughs> word in. And so if she can throw a zinger in there somewhere, she's going to do it. Oh, yeah. What, what do we think are like the, um the obvious choices? Like if we had to pick evenings that she's writing about, like, the Kanye thing, like the night that she got yeah. sent home on the boat from uh, <laughs> Harry Styles. Harry Styles, yeah. I mean, there the is the birthday party the, that Jake Gyllenhaal the didn't go twist to. Is, yeah, the um, she's already written a song about all these things, so I feel like it'll be different stuff. Like probably finding out like Carly Kloss betrayed her, or like deciding to leave. Wait, when Scott did Carly Kloss album? That's like a whole rumor about why they had a falling out. Is that Carly Kloss was talking about her behind your back to to scooter braun interesting there's like a lot of <laughs> i mean the reason why that. they had a falling out is because taylor was in love with her and carla claus did not love her back <laughs> yeah. but yeah there will be a endless night where she's making out with carly claus in the at that music venue and then the her pr person probably yelled at her and made her post about Oh, for my birthday, I want the media to stop saying I'm dating my best friend. Yes. <laughs> I would love that. There is actually a lot of rumors that are really based on absolutely nothing except people's boredom and thirst that this is the album where she's going to come out. You know, like this is going to be her coming out. I don't know why. I don't know why they think that. But um, Well, and we're still on the is she's engaged. She's given birth. Yeah. She's married. Yeah. She has six <laughs> yeah. kids. She had a kid at midnight, you know. (laughs) There's a lot. I mean, honestly, the way that she phrased it, like, oh, these are scattered throughout my life. Like, I wonder if some of these are vault tracks that she's bringing back and probably, you know, polishing in a big way. But if that would relate to her not doing any more of these re-recordings or whatnot, because people have loved the vault tracks but that's you know based on nothing either but anyway something to look forward to october 21st mark your calendars we'll be doing the episode on it shortly after lucky right? us i'm sure mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, at least the this other one only news. has 13 tracks and we know that taylor <laughs> yeah, loves a, a 46 track album with with 12 yeah. bonus tracks well and side a and side b so specifically labeled i'm curious if that means there's different like if it's like an I am Sasha Fierce sort of energy yeah yeah it's the Hannah Montana Miley Cyrus like (laughs) truth and lie Ooh, the be Uh, real just hit Shelby (laughs) exciting stuff here while we're on the podcast live be real okay perfect I'll do it for real I haven't I haven't been keeping up on it I've been sick this weekend I don't know if you get it here or my you you did sound a little raspy I will say I know but 
I'll show my I, notes. I'm to a the little people. raspy as well. <laughs> For more fun reasons. Um, okay, but this is the story I've been like dying to talk to you okay. about. Um, it, it's it's lasted over the last two weeks. So some of it is old news, but some of it is very recent, tied up in the Venice Film Festival that just happened today. And it's all about Don't Worry Darling. Yes. Um, and uh, Olivia Wilde, well, first Florence Pugh had a profile where one, she announced that she and Zach Braff had broken up. Hallelujah. Yes. Um, but she also was like kind of, kind of standoffish about this film. She's like, I was annoyed that it was whittled down to its sex scenes. Like it's so not, it shouldn't be about that. Like that's not the most interesting thing about any movie I do. And so there was instantly like energy that this wasn't like a good, <laughs> good vibe. And then Olivia Wilde well, then comes out. All of the she, stuff too, that she like wasn't posting about the movie, yeah, which yeah. we talked about on the podcast before. Yeah. <laughs> and then Olivia Wilde had a, had a piece with, variety and she goes on this spiel about how like oh she had to fire Shia LaBeouf from the show because she has a no assholes assholes policy and she was like telling the story about like oh I had to I had to fire him it wasn't working it's disappointing when that happens but it's just like the things that came out about him it was just too much you know and so for a day this story was basically like she's the hero who who saved her set from this monster of a man. But instantly Shia LaBeouf emails Variety and is like, that's not true at all. I quit your show because there wasn't enough rehearsal time. And here's all the evidence of her asking me to come back. And they had like texts and screenshots, but most of all, there was this video <laughs> that Olivia Wilde sent Shia where she's like, Hey, like, I still think we could work this out. Like, I think, um, what did she say? I think, you know, Miss Flo will come around. So clearly implying that something had happened between the two stars, that there had been some tension or bad blood, and they had announced this casting right as it came out that Shia LaBeouf's, uh, w that FKA Twigs accused him of abusing her during their relationship, but they'd just broken up, and it was very, very sad mm -hmm. um, drama bad news and Shia LaBeouf was hit with this uh, accusation and then this movie was happening at the same time so at the time it was thought oh that's why he was fired but then here's this video of Olivia Wilde being like we could work through this like I really think this would be disappointing to give up so soon I think Miss Flo will come around <laughs> and so then the internet is like oh my gosh Olivia Wilde has been lying about this and is trying to present herself as a hero when in actuality she was bargaining with a you know accused abuser to come back to a set where Miss Flo seemed uncomfortable with him being there and so she wasn't being a feminist but was in fact like willing to risk it all to get this guy to stay on instead of listening to her female star mm -hmm. and so that was all bad and then it was announced that a that Florence Pugh would only be making one appearance for the film. I don't think it was specified which one, but when the Venice Festival happened today, everyone was there for a little Q&A. <laughs> and I don't know if you saw any clips, but it was not looking good. Like Chris Pine was dialed out. He was not there. He was not happy to be there. He was just zoned out. When Harry Styles would talk, he would just get this dead look in his eyes and just like, pray for death i think because harry styles bless his heart 
he needs some media training because he could not string together a coherent sentence to save his life. Like the questions they, they were asking him were such softballs. Like, oh, like, how do you think this movie will do like at theaters? He's like, well, this movie is one of those movies that is like, it feels like a movie. <laughs> uh. Like he literally said that because he's like, this will make you want to go and experience this movie at the movies. And it was just like, Florence Pugh did not join that paddle. She did come to the viewing, but she showed up late. You know, she was on the rock, the red carpet. Yeah. Then sits six seats away from Olivia Wilde. And when she gets a standing ovation at the end, she just refuses to make eye contact with Olivia Wilde or Harry Styles. She's just sitting next to Nick Kroll, who I guess is at the film too, weirdly enough. Mm. And so it's all like very, very shady, very messy. And I'm like living for it, honestly. I am so excited to see this. I'm bummed that it's not going to be at TIFF. So I'll have to wait and see it when it comes out with everybody else like a pleb um but yeah this is it's deranged how this is going and also i mean this is un slightly unrelated but harry styles is also doing the press for his gay movie coming out my policeman oh yeah and he stepped in it a couple (laughs) of different times on that front um when asked about questions about you know his sexuality queerness he made a statement about um, how they wanted this movie to, you know, not really show like gay sex on screen because yeah. usually <laughs> in gay movies, that's all you see is the gay sex. And everyone was like, actually, no, there's no movies where you actually really see that. So, um, yeah, just he, he feels like he's not. I think he came into this award season as someone who people were excited about he had two big movies and you know this was supposed to be his like hollywood rise to fame i think akin to lady gaga and a star is born but he's really been muffing these press circuits horribly obviously him and olivia wilde have some kind of romantic something something and so there's like they're promoting this movie, but it doesn't seem like anybody else in the cast or crew is really <laughs> excited about it. The reviews just came out and they're pretty like average. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm intrigued. I love Florence Pugh though. And I feel like she can do no wrong. And if yeah. she is upset in this situation, I feel like she is correct in that. And I'm going yeah. with her as whatever she says goes. Yeah, for sure. I think she's coming off as the winner across the board, like even Harry stands are like fighting for any sort of grounds, especially after that clip from the movie was released. And it seemed like, ugh, that's not like a great performance, <laughs> which to be fair, like let's wait and see. I don't know. Yeah. But the accent um, seems not yeah. <laughs> well, he, he's giving Emma Watson energy and the accent. Yeah, front. yeah. I think he's supposedly not American in the movie itself. So I don't know what's going on there. It'll be interesting to see. Um, And then, of course, Shia LaBeouf, it's a journey. I mean, he sent Olivia Wilde like a note through Variety that was basically like, I've been sober for the last two years. I'm I'm trying to make it work with my old girlfriend. We have a daughter. Like, I'm ashamed of what I did to FKA Twigs. That's a real problem, but that's not the problem that was between you and I. And he's like clearly on this redemption cycle tour. Um, But there was like this weird hiccup in it where he went on this podcast and admitted that 
he lied about Honey Boy being like based on his life, that his father never abused him. He was never beaten or hit by his father, that all of that was fictionalized and that he feels guilty about it now. But it's like, that was like the pitch, right? Like, yes, it was. Yeah, it was like, it was supposed to be autobiographical. Yeah. Yeah. And he talked about his father's abuse in the promo, like as a real thing. So it wasn't ever like he was like, oh, this movie speaks for itself. Like he was literally saying this is what he went through. And so in this podcast, he was like, oh, yeah, I um, I wronged my dad. He never hit me, never. And I took creative liberties. I sent him a screen. A, a, Screener? A, I sent him a script oh, um, mm. without any of the abuse mentioned so I could get his okay before then making the movie. Um, but yeah, that was that was not real. And I, I shouldn't have done that type thing. But it's just like... It's so like, that's not going well for his apology tour then. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, you know, complicated issue. But the one like excuse I saw given to him over and over with his abuse allegations was, oh, well, hurt people hurt people. Like he went through so much as a kid, like blah, blah, blah. And obviously that could be true in some sense, but he's now walking back on the one perspective we did have on his childhood and his upbringing, which was this abusive father situation. And um, and so it's sort of just like, well, maybe you're just an asshole. Like maybe you're just a bad guy. And I don't know if, if you're in the right place to be earning this sort of promo to like save your image or something. Yeah. It's very uh, murky. Ugh. I think, yeah. I mean, I think he's sort of a little bit in the camp with like uh, Johnny Depp, maybe (laughs) where they're like technically still working kind of, but they definitely, there's definitely the ick and I like, will Shia LaBeouf be in more movies? I'm sure. I'm sure. But will he, will those be like big, huge successes i don't think so i think they'll be sort of small <laughs> yeah. like straight to vod kind of things probably for the most part but hmm. um any other stories to report well leah michelle leah michelle had her profile in the new oh york oh my Times gosh this was great this was incredible <laughs> and leah michelle uh you know speaking of problematic heroes i guess um she decided to <laughs> bring up the uh, I can't read rumor without ever really addressing it. She like says. That's the crazy thing is that so like there's been this rumor going around or like I mean I, I don't think anybody actually like really believes it. Believes it started it, as a joke. But it's like, yeah. yeah this funny like joke conspiracy that Michelle that Leah Michelle can't read that she learned <laughs> her scripts you know through like other people telling her about them um be- yeah. and there's lots of like weird video evidence and things of her like not <laughs> struggling yes like struggling or like oh she signs her name at things but it's like illegible or yeah. something says one thing and she sort of <laughs> says it says something else like all kinds of these weird examples and so they were asking her about it. it or i don't know if they asked her or she just brought it up but no, she brought it but up but she was like she never said, I can read. It was mostly like, how dare people ask me this question? <laughs> she's like, this is sexist. Yes. And then she's like, this is sexist. If I was a man, like no one would ever question my ability to read. <laughs> and it's like, this has not, like in many cases, yes. But in this case, it's like, this is an internet joke. So yeah. 
it has nothing to do with you being a woman. It has everything to do with, yeah. with these weird <laughs> moments and the fact that like nobody likes you and you're racist and homophobic and have said, you know, all kinds of nasty things yeah. and we're yeah. a nightmare to work with in a lot of settings <laughs> and are sort of just a weird human being. Yeah, it's just like one of those – it's just such a delightful story because – it's haunted her for years. Like this is a story that came out while she was still on Glee. Like I was aware of it in college, like this funny theory that t- that Leah Michelle couldn't read. And it's the easiest thing to disprove. It would be so easy to disprove, but she like won't just read something. And so the idea that she's there and she's like, I don't know, how dare someone say that? She's like, I went to Glee every single day. I knew my lines every single day. And it's like... <laughs> Miss, that you could have just said, I learned, I read my lines every day. You know, like it's like it's right there, and you refuse, you're refusing to acknowledge it. Feels like maybe it is actually, yes. It's like, well, maybe she can't. (laughs) It's honestly like the gift that keeps on giving. I don't know, I don't know why she wouldn't just end it if it really offended her that much like if she just wanted to prove it like just be like oh here like i'll read this right now right in front of you new york times you can show it on video like whatever but i guess she doesn't want to like add fuel to the fire or whatever of this but yeah lunacy it's It's so good (laughs) but she's open i don't think she's started yet but her her broadway run and funny girl is 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 it's upon yes, us. Yes, it's it's quickly arriving and it'll be exciting to see how this goes because you know, it's like this is the thing that she's always wanted the most and I do feel that the reviews of her in this role will be lukewarm at best and that's yeah. <laughs> that's an interesting phenomenon to see like the person who wanted like the, the pressure. Thing. Yes, yeah. and I just She was like brought on because of public pressure yes. like basically. And now it's like, can she even live up mm-hmm. to the hype? I mean, she has Amazing. a good voice, but I just don't think that her like acting in this role will be great. <laughs> yeah, they released like a little promo trailer about it. And it's just like, there's something. And, you know, I think the same could be said of Anne Hathaway at a right, that there's something like so annoying about the earnestness that with which she presents herself. But Leah Michelle famously keeps people at arm's length. So it's like hard even to believe that earnestness in a way. Um, well, the problem with so yeah, the problem with because I saw this musical um, with the yes. understudy person Julie Benko at the moment because it was originally um, Beanie Feldstein, and I think that the issue is like the role that she's playing is this actress who is trying like very hard, wants to be successful, is not quite good at what she's doing but is very like has a lot of charisma and is likable and is sort of this like <laughs> like underdog quality which yeah, i think like which Michelle. i think Beanie feldstein <laughs> has to a t like you love beanie you're not really sure like why necessarily but you just do she's this super charismatic person but in kind of like an every man kind of way yeah and yeah. the issue with Beanie, I think, is that she actually just couldn't sing as well as you need to because yeah. this part was written for Barbara Streisand. But I think Leah Michelle has the opposite problem where her voice <laughs> will be fine, but there's no way that she's going to be able to, like, con- convey <laughs> that she is this, like, very likable underdog Queens, person. You liked her in Scream yeah, Queens, but she, wasn't but she? But in sort of... Scream Queens, she played a, 
Ray, um, uh, oh, Rachel Berry kind of esque oh. role of okay. like, I mean, she was like a serial killer who like oh, this super neurotic, <laughs> like, um, like I'm great at everything kind of person. I see. So, which I think okay. fits in her wheelhouse. I just don't think that she yeah. can play like, Hey, I'm just like a cool friend who's like kind of weird and quirky and yeah, like she's not going to do it. It's going to be bad. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, that's some of the, the hot news of the week and I loved every minute of it. Um, uh, do you want to move into love it or hate it though? Yes. Let's do love it or hate it. Um, I haven't watched that much stuff or that's like <laughs> either out or that, um, you know, we haven't covered already, but I do want to talk about the new 1975 album that is on its way out now. Um, I love the 1975. I think they're great. They're one of my favorite bands. I've loved every single one of their albums. This is their fifth album that's coming out called Being Funny in a Foreign Language. And it's a little bit more folky than they usually are. They're kind of like a pop rock punk kind of energy. And this is like a little bit more folky. They've released three of the songs off of the album already. And I have loved all of them. Um, The album itself comes out October 14th. So that's, I think, the week before Taylor. Yeah. And then Carly Rae comes out the week of Taylor. Yes. Unfortunately for poor Carly. (laughs) <laughs> to be up against that, but so it goes. Counter programming, yeah. I guess. But I don't know. I just I love I love the nineteen seventy five. I think they're continuing to like push out really great music. I will say that Jack Antonoff is also a producer on this album, and you can tell because oh. it sounds very Jack Antonoffy. But you know, interesting, but folky, but folky, yeah. Uh, okay, okay. You know, he did it with Taylor. Um, he can. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's more upbeat than yeah, yeah like yeah, Evermore yeah. or folklore is, right. but yes, it has more of like a Mumford and Sons energy than oh, okay, their yeah. previous albums did. Okay, cool, Do you exciting. Like I I've like listened to them. Yeah, I feel like there was a overlap between their rise to fame and Taylor's 1989 stuff because I think she once wore a shirt of theirs, and everyone was like, "Oh, they're dating." Okay. Anyways, that tracks. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there was a there was a blip there where they were, uh, you know, in that middle part of my event diagram of interest. So interesting. Congrats to them. Mm. Um, I need you to just be quiet for the next few minutes because I want to talk about how much I love Lord of the Rings. The oh gosh, I haven't watched <laughs> the Rings this of Power. One is it just one episode out so far? Is the whole thing out? There's two episodes, okay. two of eight. This is the most expensive television film ever made. So like sit down, Game of Thrones. It was like, what was the number? Oh, dang it. I, I heard it, it looked a $700 insanely million. expensive. Like way more expensive than million. even The Crown, which is an expensive yeah. looking show. Yeah. it's um, They made a five, a five season promise or whatever contract. And this first season has eight episodes. This was after the... Um, the sell of the rights for Lord of the Rings went off in auction and some some company bought like the actual Lord of the Rings, like the books, Lord of the Rings rights for a billion dollars or something. But Amazon or whoever was able to buy it, I think Amazon was able to buy the the like um, Silmarillion, which is like the kind of like, like encyclopedia of Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Yeah, it's like all the back history of what 
of Middle Earth. Um, so it's one I've never read. It's like only for the nerdiest of nerds, like the most passionate of the Tolkienites. Um, but it basically is the, yeah, the prequel of Lord of the Rings, the prequel of The Hobbit. So it's what happened at Middle Earth centuries before the Ring of Power, like the, the Lord of the Rings. So honestly, there's a few different players that we know because elves live forever. So you have like Galadriel and Elrond and you know some names from like the Are they played by the same of- actors? Oh, absolutely not. Oh, okay. No, I mean- no. Okay, so they it's age not, a little bit. So, so it's, it's like, not a direct <laughs> tie-in to no. the movies. Not like the ha how the Hobbit was a tie-in. Right. Okay. Yeah. No. This is very much like made by people passionate about Lord of the Rings, and less like the Hobbit was more of a cash grab to see if we could squeeze. Yes, and the Hobbit Legolas movies were bad. There for a minute. Yeah. Yeah, and so this is so. This is so much money and it shows in every scene. It's so gorgeously shot. There's really nice music. They brought back Howard Shore for the title song. Um, and then they have some other compos- composer for the rest of it. But it's nice. There's something so like whimsical about it. I know you're not a fan of Lord of the Rings, but I am. And I feel like this is a nice reminder of why that sort of high fantasy works better for me than something like Game of Thrones, where Game of Thrones is so determined to be like, what would it be like to like live in the medi- medieval ages and like rape women and kill people? Like, let's just have like a murdering child and like see how that goes. And people are gonna die and they're gonna die in gruesome ways. Whereas Lord of the Rings is like, what would it be like to like live with fairies and like <laughs> you know have a wonderful world and we have to fight evil together? Like, it's just there's something so earnest and hopeful about Middle Earth and. I love how they're not afraid to like have fun with it, even if it is like at the heart of it, a serious like drama, like there's playful characters that are introduced. There's like a, there's like a, what's the break general off of, plot of this? Oh, so, so it's basically like in the pre, in the um, voiceover of the first film, you know, the Sauron makes seven rings for the elves, three rings for the dwarves and eight rings for men or whatever to, and then secretly he forges the one ring to rule them all. And so this is the story of that. that. Like the eye on the map. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's not a real person though. Or his, he was, he was a real person. And then he became the eye. Yeah. Sort of like how Voldemort, like, you know, becomes like the spirit figure after uh being destroyed. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's basically the story of after this big battle, they think they vanquished all the evil and Sauron's like died and gone off. But it seems like this season will be focused on, well, actually, he might be coming back and actually we might be headed into disaster because we're going to start build making these rings, not knowing it's a trap type thing. Interesting. And I don't know anything about the like details beyond that. And I'm fine with like, you know, it's, it's moving out of a nice high fantasy pace, which is a little slow, like things are happening, people are walking, you know. Um, but the characters they've introduced are really cool. There's a lot more POCs that have gotten a lot of people mad about the scientific relevance of <laughs> black people in a middle in a Middle Earth. Um wokeness has invaded, uh, which is stupid. And honestly, there's the people of color in this show are mostly relegated to sidelines so everyone's upset and it's the stupidest reason to be upset because again this is fantasy it's made up the world doesn't 
revolve around the same rules we've created and constructed for ourselves. And we should be able to escape into it and not be so bothered by one, people who don't look like us while expecting other people who don't look like us to like the show in the same way with people who don't look like that. Like that St. Maud was in this. I don't know who that is. She's she well, the actress who was in the A24 horror movie St. Maud. Oh, I think she's plays she plays Galadriel, uh, it says. Galadriel. Cuz nobody yeah. else famous is in Galadriel. this that I'm seeing. Oh no, yeah. I think they spent all the money on special effects and beautiful scenescapes of probably New Zealand again. Hmm. Um so I think it's fun. I think it's nice. I think Having them know it's a five season thing is nice. Eight episodes, it's just enough. I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm intrigued. Like I'm intrigued enough. I think that the my problem with Lord of the Rings in general is so the I think that the books get bogged down in the world building to a level yeah. that it kind of makes the plot and characters less interesting or important because there's just so much like Tolkien is so into like this <laughs> creation of the world. Um, and then the movies, like I really like fellowship of the ring. I feel like that the lap that the two towers and return of the King are one, the cast is split up for almost the entirety of those two movies, which is kind of yeah. annoying. But then also, it's just so much battle, which I don't love. Um, mm, interesting, yeah. And then I feel like the Hobbit well, yeah. movies, I loved The Hobbit, the book, but the movie was, they were so intent on making it three movies that they added all kinds of stuff in. Yeah. And, it was, and the it was just like looked bad. bad. Um, <laughs> so I do think, though, that like if this version of... Lord of the Rings is like a little bit more political and a little bit more plotty and less like battle that this would appeal to me um, at least at the start. I I mean, I feel like all of these Tolkien properties end in, end up getting to some (laughs) battle. So I'm kind of like, will I like season three of this, which is just like an eight episode (laughs) battle sequence? Probably not, but you never know, I guess. So yeah, we'll okay. See. I'll definitely... I thought you were one of those people who were like, "No, it's just a bunch of walking." No, I don't think that. I mean, okay, like I, I just like, I like when sci or when fantasy is has like a certain aspect of realism to the characters in it, and I think right. sometimes with fantasy and sci-fi they're so intent on a either world building or b the sort of like allegorical qualities of it that the characters aren't real people they're stand-ins for things right um and i think sometimes in the lord of the rings that's what it is but also lord of the rings the i mean originally is this very like religious property (laughs) which i feel like they definitely have not steered into um, if I was to guess. So I think that will also help kind of clear up some of that allegorical kind of nature of this. Cause I bet they're going to make it more, a little more spicy. Yeah, it's very much like, yeah, about the different cultures and interactions and stuff, communities. But, okay. Well, interesting. This will be, I'm sure a heavy hitter next year's Emmys up against house of dragon. Um, (laughs) <laughs> but we'll be talking about this year's Emmys on Thursday because I'm gone yes. next week. So we're going to do a little Emmys 
uh, preview, which we haven't done. (laughs) And then we'll get into, I guess, the actual Emmys sort of briefly once I get back. But yes, we'll be back on Thursday to talk about the Emmys. We'll see you guys then. Bye. 